All right. So welcome back to the Creo podcast. I've got Tracy Weaver joining me today from out in California. Welcome, Tracy. Hey, Mike. Good to be with you. So if you don't know Tracy, he's uh, he's become a good friend and he's got a really um, awesome passion around something that we'll, uh, we'll describe as city church, city church. So Tracy, if you could just share with us a little bit about what is city church so that people who are tuning in that aren't familiar with that sort of idea and to think about their local church, but no concept of what are you even talking about when you say city church? Sure. Um, well, uh, I guess I should share the way in, you know, the Lord really brought it to my attention. Um, I was just spending time, I was pastoring in Minnesota. Um, I'd been involved in just building relationships of trust with uh, other pastors uh, in our community. It was a smaller community of 12,000. So you kind of know everyone, one high school, you know, your kids all play on the same basketball team type thing. So having grown up in SoCal and ministered out here and then ministering in Minnesota, it was a different experience. Um, I loved the community dynamic of it, but I was just studying the word. I was preparing for a sermon series and, uh, you know, Paul's introduction in his letter to Ephesians, you know, to, you know, to the, to the faithful brothers, you know, in Ephesus type thing. Um, and I thought, okay, that's, that's interesting. It just dawned on me. So is he writing to the believers of, of the city? Um, apparently so. And then, then I just started, you know, skipping back and forth, just looking at my Bible and, okay, so how does he greet the Corinthians? How does he greet those in Philippi? How, how does he, you know, greet the, the Colossians? And that was my big aha moment, uh, honestly, and I've been in ministry for a number of years, so I don't know why my, you know, paradigm had been so thick, but just the realization that in, you know, the majority of Paul's epistles, he's writing to the church of the city. He's not writing to a local congregation. He's not writing to a single gathering of believers. He's he's writing to you know the the entirety, the collective body of Christ in those cities. And that was an aha moment to me. That because even as a pastor, um, you know, and I'm I'm theologically trained and you know had great education and all, but when I'd prepare my sermons, I I immediately jumped to okay, what does this mean for us, for for my congregation, for you know. And, and applying it as though Jesus were speaking this directly to us type thing, instead of realizing that the original audience was a city and, and not just a local gathering of believers. So then the next implication of once you realize he's writing to, you know, the collective body of Christ in a city, then all the commands, all the exhortations in the epistles aren't to a congregation aren't to just, you know, my crowd, my group, they're to the believers of the city. So when we start talking about all the one another's, the love one another, honor one another, be devoted to, forgive, forbear, you know, be in harmony with, that's incumbent upon the believers of the city. So, you know, to take the the 30,000 foot view, you know, in our community, that means Grace Baptist needs to love and honor real life church and Cross Point, you know, needs to love and honor higher vision and um, that just that just radically changed my my ecclesiology. Now that's super helpful. I I think that uh, very few people, and we've talked about this at length, Tracy. Very few people think about church in a movemental sort of way. You've got a where two or three are gathered, the church in Chloe's house, the 
a whole house church movement, micro church movement across, uh, you know, city, but then every believer in the city and every form and expression of church that rep represents people who are gathered together in the name of Jesus. And Jesus talked a lot about unity, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's the other aha. So, you know, Mike, we're we're all victims of our cultural filters, our our paradigms. Our paradigms allow us to see things or blind us to things. But if you know, and I would invite those listening, you know, to, even to this podcast, put on the lens of City Church for a moment, and and read, you know, the epistles. Put on the lens of the Church of the City, the collaborative body of Christ, collective body, and. and and read John 17. And so John 17 was another amazing, oh my goodness. When you read Jesus' prayer there in the, in the latter part of John 17, and he is praying for the oneness, for the unity of his followers, and not only, you know, the immediate disciples, but all those that would be believing on his name through them. So he's praying for us that we would be uh, one, you know, I mean, he just uses very explicit language in terms of what he's asking for in terms of our connectedness and, and the intimacy, the cohesiveness of the body. And then he describes it in terms of the Trinity. He describes it in terms of, you know, the son's relationship being in the father and, and they being in us. He paints this extraordinary picture of spiritual oneness and unity and harmony. And then, you know, in case anyone's tempted to think, well, that's heaven, that's the latter days, that's, you know, whatever. The purpose for this oneness is so that the world might know. And you look at that phrase that, that they might know, and you see how John uses that even in John 17 or earlier. It's the coming to understand the gospel. It's the coming to understand that Jesus was the one who sent, who was sent by the Father and believing in him. So John 17 is this amazing Great Commission passage that never gets listed in Great Commission passages. It is the unity of the body so the world might know. Um, so you begin to realize the oneness and cohesiveness of the body of Christ, you know, let's talk about city settings, um, is meant to be a primary tool for the accomplishment of the Great Commission, drawing people to faith in Jesus. And that's amazing. Yeah, and, I, you know, I think one of the things that sticks out to me there, Tracy, is um, how much we can learn from each other. Right. So at a, at a very micro level, every one of our, so our context is micro churches, every one of our micro churches can learn from other micro churches. Right. Now, every expression of ecclesia in a city can learn from other expressions of ecclesia in the city. So you can have missional community churches and then like churches working with different urban poor context and all these churches teaching each other how to better look like Jesus across the city. So we are learning from each other, but we're also able to challenge each other. And then the, the church in a city or in, in a certain country can learn from and be challenged by the church in China or the <laughs> church in Iran, right? And so you've got this, it just keeps expanding. And if we, if we posture ourselves as learners, but also as people that are bringing something of value to help each other look more like Jesus as, as a community. I, I think, uh, wow, it's just so helpful to think in those terms, right? Helpful and healthy. I, I mean, you stop to thinking about it. It's such, 
the 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 description that you just gave from the city to the macro is such a beautiful expression of the love and presence of Jesus working in society. It makes so much sense. And yet, you know, Satan is so wily, so strategic in his approach. You have Pastor Bob um, tipping his hat of respect to Pastor Bill, but in competition with Pastor Bill, um, fearful of sheep stealing rather than kingdom, you know, Christ's kingdom building together. Um, and so the result is fearful, inhibited, um, insecure, isolated ministries in a city rather than loving, generous, uh, investing relationships in the city. And, and you're so right how we could benefit. If you think and just if I'm thinking in, in my community, I'm in Santa Clarita, California, third largest city in L.A. County, a city of around 300,000 people number of great churches. And if the churches in Santa Clarita Valley were exhibiting this devotion to Jesus, but also a devotion to one another and helping one another and uh, resourcing one another um, from, from mega church to house church networks, the, the witness that that would make for the love and, and unity of the body of Christ and the impact that that would have for our homeless problem, for teens, you know, and drug abuse. We have a prison, you know, just outside of the city area up the interstate a, a little bit, you know, all the different tentacles of ministry that could be fueled and resourced. Uh, it, it, you know, it's the way God designed it, but we're struggling with it. We're stumbling uh, to make it happen. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. I, I'm reminded of Jesus saying, they'll, they'll know that you're my disciples by your love for one another an unbelieving world, seeing our genuine love and support of each other as we're making effort to expand the kingdom across a city, a region, nation. Um, I, I just think that one of the major obstacles there is probably our own pride and our own lack of teachability. If, if we're all learners, right? If we humble ourselves, we've got a lot to learn from each other. And, and if we constantly come in with a, a little bit of a prophetic critique of ourselves and each other, not in a uh, nitpicky, divisive sort of way, but how do we all look more like Jesus? What can we learn from each other? And in what ways are we not being faithful? How are we reaching lost people or making disciples? What if the church just w was able to open up its library and be more open source and learn from each other all across the movement and network and say, all of these other people have great tools and words that uh, are incredibly valuable that could help us be better as as a movement. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And I appreciate what you're saying in terms of just personal humility, just taking a step back and saying, okay, Jesus, I, I don't have the corner on um, you know theological understanding on any specific area. And just to be clear, we're talking about Jesus-loving, Bible-honoring you know, expressions of the body of Christ. We're, we're not talking about universalism or, you know, including uh, people that, you know, don't have the Holy Spirit residing within them as a result of faith in Jesus. We're, we're talking about solid, the body of Christ. We're talking about believers. But even within that, obviously, um, 
we have dear people that have such strong convictions regarding particular doctrinal distinctives, and I'm thinking of my own community right now, it's hard to get some people to the table together. Um, and this the, the, the disappointing thing is they've adopted the posture, well, any of us can adopt the, the, the posture, that my commitment to my particular distinctive, and I feel so strongly about that distinctive, somehow gives me permission to completely sidestep um, the one another statements that tell me I'm to love you, I'm to be devoted to you, uh, I'm to honor you. Um, you know, First John, I'm to be willing to die for you. Um, but no, we say because you have a different take on the Holy Spirit or you have a different take on this or that, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, God bless you, but I'm not going to have anything to do with you type thing. So we've got to get past that, those, those artificial uh, barriers of, um, you know, thinking that we're um, somehow championing God's view of a particular position uh, and, and just being so much more embracing and, and gracious and generous toward one another. I think the family metaphor is really helpful. You think about church's family and the family of God and our father, we're brothers and sisters. Um, you know, if you think about Uncle Larry or, you know, cousin Eddie, <laughs> you start looking at these family members and go, well, yeah, I don't like how they um, do parenting. I don't, I don't like the way that they sit around the dinner table and operate a, a family meal. I, I don't appreciate the way that they handle their property. And so now I'm going to quit being their family. I'm going to out them and cut them off. Yeah, you have a lot of patience for just the variety of different ways that families operate. Um, it, or at least you should, right? I mean, some people do cut each other off. Yeah. But I think the family metaphor is helpful because you, you look across and at a family reunion, boy, you've got a lot of different types of... <laughs> Absolutely. Ways that people Absolutely. Operate. And, um, you know, you think of, uh, I think of Philippians chapter two, that, you know, we would all hold up and we would all preach with passion, but it's calling us to put on the mind of Christ, have this attitude, you know, within yourselves that was in Christ Jesus. And then we're exhorted to consider others as more important than ourselves and, and the interest of others as more important than ours. So that's certainly true on a personal level, how I need to be devoted and committed to, to others around me. But it's also true at, at a corporate level, you know, if you think that, um, you know, my local church needs to consider another local body as more important. Um, we need to be not only concerned, you know, concerned with our interests, but also the interest of other church families. So uh, embracing the idea that we benefit we're healthier when we're concerned about the vitality, the spiritual thriving of the body of Christ beyond us. Uh, um, yeah, investing in each other's lives. Yeah, so Tracy, you know a big passion of Creo is um, mission. And to, to see I hadn't, multiple... I hadn't picked that up, Mike. My... <laughs> <laughs> <Yep. laughs> see see multi healthy healthy multiplication happen out of the harvest across the region. 
So when, when I bring up the word mission and we think city church, right? How important is this sort of thinking when we think about impacting an entire city who might not, might not yet know the love of Jesus? Um, there are all these places and spaces that don't look like God's kingdom come in this city as it is in heaven. And, you know, what if, or, or how does, uh, how does mission and city church, how, how do those two go together? And why is that really important? If, if we're thinking about reaching a whole city, um, missionally, why, why well, just think is city of, church of concept important? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you just think about the creativity, um, in, uh, that's a part of the body of Christ. But any one congregation or small group of believers, you know, has has a limited degree of that creativity. If you're in partnership and uh, relationship with other church families and, you know, a number of churches get together, a number of leaders get together and they identify the top three or four social needs in their city, whether it's, you know, single moms uh, ministry or um homelessness you know in southern california we've got a huge homelessness issue that defies um uh, you know a, a quick fix certainly so that, that's going to take a movement of god to bring about some helpful structures some helpful avenues um to meaningfully address that issue but let's let's focus on that for a moment if the body of Christ in a community were to meaningfully come together in a profound, strong way, um, the ideas, the resources, the 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 opportunities to to house and and to care for homeless folks in in neighborhoods and in regions of the city, that could be profoundly impacted. Um, so, uh, the unity of the body, partnership, collaboration, could accomplish. Um, so much more uh, than any individual local church working by itself uh, could accomplish. That that synergy would be profound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you think about, um, you know, there's oftentimes language of, um, you know, you got a, a church in a certain part of the city that really struggles for resources, yet the people that they're reaching and connecting with are, you know, very poor and really struggling to make ends meet. But if you're thinking city church, right, you got a, a church in a wealthier part of the city that says, you've got people in need, we've got resources. Here you go. I mean, exactly. if, if we start thinking that way, then, then communities that have support communities that have not, and it creates this deeper bonding. But, you know, it, we've got the tools to get the job done if we work together, right? That's absolutely the case. Um, one little illustration of that, when I was pastoring in Alexandria, Minnesota, dear community, there was a, a church family that was of a distinct uh, denomination that uh, tended to isolate itself from other expressions of the church. The pastor was a dear guy um, who would occasionally come to ministerials, but, you know, kind of kept his distance. But um, uh, we, we began to build a, a bit of a um, a friendship and acquaintance. He, he uh, and his family and some folks from the church did a missions trip um, in, uh, I believe it was Ecuador. Um, and he took his young uh, adopted son who was 
of Ecuadorian uh, descent, um, had some challenges, the young boy did. Um, and on that trip, this young boy contracted some kind of a virus. They rushed him to the hospital in Ecuador and he passed away. It was tragic. We were rocked as a community back in Alexandria hearing the news of this because of the red tape and this, that, and the other. Um, they all, the team had to come home. Mom and dad had to come home. And, and the body of this little boy remained in Ecuador and it was going to cost uh, a fair you know, price to, to get his body there. This gentleman's church uh, was a smaller church. Um, they didn't have the resources. Um, I shared the need with our church family, and I was shocked. We took an offering, and the offering that came through was profound. And, and I had the privilege of walking into that gentleman's office and sitting down and saying, hey, I just want to give you this. We want to help bring your son's body back home. And he was so moved. And then obviously he shared it with the congregation. They were so moved. That broke down barriers. He became much more active in the ministerial. Our, our relationship obviously, you know, went to a different level. And, and that was just through an expression of care and love and provision. Um, so those kinds of things happening, like you're saying, cross church and cross region in a city, uh, meeting and addressing various needs. Uh, as an unbelieving community begins to hear and see and witness that, that also has a profound impact. So, you know, beautiful thing. So Tracy, if you were to, and you've done some of this, but if I were to ask you, what, what would you hope to see come out of this conversation? What ultimately if city church becomes what you, you think is faithful to what you see in scripture, um, people really like grab a hold of this yeah we need to be a church of the city what do you envision what what would that look like if it happened so i'm thinking of dear men and women listening to this podcast and maybe by the holy spirit they're having some aha moments or at least they're going to be prompted to to look at paul's epistles and to just take that you know, the glasses of isolation off and put on the glasses of City Church for a moment and start reading passages um, like John 17, like, you know, Philippians 1 and 2, um, and and they're going to be impacted. That's my hope, that the Holy Spirit within each of us, whose heart beats for the unity of the body of Christ, is going to begin to rise up and and this is gonna this is gonna begin to spread but as individuals are impacted and begin to embrace this idea they're going to start sharing it with their leadership teams and the grace of god is going to need to be poured out significantly on on leadership teams dear men and women who you know work nine to five and they are also locked into local church mentality our church our missions program our youth group our men's ministry rather than thinking citywide so that God would grace the, the leaders within churches to also embrace and, and recognize this and then begin to build relationships. You know, pastors calling up another pastor that he knows in town and inviting him out to coffee and just sitting down and getting to know one another, humanizing one another rather than being in competition with one another and, you know, beginning to talk about these kinds of principles and things. And then how, how might we partner? What could we do together? Uh, that would be, you know, uh, either a project in our city, you know, that we could work on or, you know, pulpit swap, let's just expose each other to each other's church families, you know, type thing. Um, uh, you know, what I would love to see would be as, 
larger churches build relationship and as you know smaller congregations as well start to interact and, and build relationship there could become a network within a community where the micro church networks and the house churches that are taking place within the city as well there could be this wonderful um collaboration so you've got a, a, a microchurch network, you know, of, you know, half a dozen homes or so, and they would love to meet as a large group once a month. And, you know, there's several key churches in town that have the room space, and we could certainly host your once a month meeting and let you, you know, be a church family in a larger setting, you know, once a month. Um, those kinds of things, they need, they need a place to have a wedding. <laughs> We've got the facilities for it. Like you, you know, were alluding to earlier what you need, we've got, you know, so let's, let's provide for one another. Let's minister to one another. So it's going to take uh, the movement of the Holy Spirit and individuals embracing this and beginning to talk with one another. And by God's grace, we'll watch it grow. Yeah. So what do you see as, as sort of the big obstacles or roadblocks or reasons that this, if it doesn't happen, why does it not happen? Well, I don't want to become negative here, um, so let me just pause in my own spirit. <clears throat> I will say, um, when I talk to people, just believers in the community, and I share my heart for the unity of the body, um, the typical believer, the guy that you know works at IBM but loves Jesus, um, will his response is typically, "Yes, I've." I've always wondered about that. I've thought that. Why are we not doing that? Um, so the typical believer, it's like, absolutely. So that leaves us with um, those that have a vested interest in the way things are. And and I've heard you say, Mike, it's it's hard to, to teach someone something new when their salary depends on that not being the case, you know, type thing. Um, so we have, and, and, and I was in that chair as well. I've been a senior pastor as well. Um, and it's the senior pastors that, that, uh, are hesitant, uh, reticent, um, to take meaningful steps, um, because unless they view it as a command that needs to be obeyed. And, and that's kind of the bottom line. If, 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 as I, if, if, as I share with a pastor, it just strikes them as one more thing that I'm putting on their already busy desk. You know, they're never going to get around. Yeah, that sounds great, Trace. That'd be awesome. Stay at it. You keep, you know, building that idea. I've got other things to do. Um, unless they realize and embrace it as a command from Jesus that they are now responsible to carry out, um, uh, then it's, it's, it's going to be tough sledding. But again, I'm, I'm so hopeful because we have the Holy Spirit within us. And I believe the Holy Spirit's heart beats for the unity of the body. So it's it's just a matter of time. Um, you know, I'm hopeful that God's men and women are going to rise up and begin to pull this together. Yeah, Tracy, I've told you this, and I'm just going to say it here for all of our listeners. I 100% support your passion on this and agree with you. And I think uh, I think we need to think like this. And I think a, a key next step is like, what do we do? What what would be some tangible first steps of, all right, um, I like this idea. I want to run with it. Um, what do I, what do I do next? Um, 
I heard a, a statement, a phrase a while back that was delayed obedience is disobedience. Hmm. <laughs> that that really, um, my biggest issue is not that I say no to the good ideas that God gives me. It's that I say, yeah, no, that's great. I'll do that later. And so I think probably our biggest obstacle in my mind with people that are liking what we're saying and agreeing with it and saying, yeah, I, what you're saying is true. The Holy Spirit is firing me up right now is that we sort of put it off and then it never happens. So if someone were to right now take a tangible step or two or three, what would you encourage them to do to, to start pursuing this? Think of a pastor you already know and have some level of relationship with and invite them out to coffee. Have that conversation with another trusted pastor um, that you already know. Get the ball rolling that way. Secondly, think of a few pastors that you're aware of in your community, but you really don't have a relationship with and initiate building acquaintances. Um, set up an appointment, maybe in their office on their, you know, don't, don't make them have to come out to a coffee shop or whatever, but, just, you know, make it as easy for them as possible uh, to just get together and begin to build relationship. And if there's pastors that you're aware of that are just distinctly different than you and maybe have a different tribe, um, you know, if you're, you know, a bit conservative and, but you know of a Pentecostal brother across town that, you know, everyone's, you know, kind of knows, Make an appointment with that gentleman or that 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 gal. Get to know them as individuals and and just allow a relationship to start. Something else I'd recommend, and and this is for the pastoral, you know, the pastor that really wants to begin to go with this. Talk with your spouse and use your home as a tool of bridge building, relationship building. Invite several pastoral couples to your home for dessert, for an evening, for the purpose of, of just building a relationship, praying over them, blessing them, you know, expressing gratitude to them, um, but also just laying some seeds for the concept of the collaboration, the broader body of Christ in the city. Bringing pastors and couples in, into our homes um, really helps make see each other as human, and as brothers and sisters, um, even though we might hold a different position on the Holy Spirit or some aspect of the spiritual life, um, we can we can honor one another. So those simple steps of just engaging, just initiating relationship uh, would, would, I think, uh, result in huge dividends. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. That's super helpful. So if you're if you're listening maybe shoot out a text message, invite someone to lunch. Um, and maybe that results in a text thread with a, a group of people that are all leading or starting churches in your area. And maybe you could set up something weekly, monthly, you know, continue to collaborate with a group of people and then set, ask questions. What, what's your heart for this city? You know, what, what are the needs that you see here? And start to pray. I, I love what Tracy said about opening up the home, uh, have people over, have dessert. It's very, very helpful. That's thank you, Tracy, for, for sharing. Thank you for all this input. It, anything else we're missing here as we're talking city church and you go, ah, wait, wait, I got something else I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, 
Mike, I think we're living in such an amazing era to be serving Jesus. We've just all walked through a global pandemic. Um, in the United States, there's been some remarkable social upheaval, some political turmoil. Um, there's some raw nerves. And uh, I think we're uh, in, a, in a, you know, to use a, a word, you know, liminality. I think we're on the threshold of, of God doing something remarkable. It's already taking place uh, in, in expressions of the church. We're talking about microchurches and networking and house churches so much more. We're talking about fresh expressions of the body of Christ. Um, there's a movement, you know, recognized movement of the Holy Spirit in that way. I believe that there's also going to be accompanying that uh, a movement of the spiritual life, people coming to understand and know who they are in Christ and what that means, what it means to be a spirit person that we have the Holy Spirit, you know, dwelling inside of us and, and all the implications of that, but also um, understanding and getting a fresh glimpse of what it means to be in relationship with a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, perfect harmony, perfect relationship, um, complementing one another, uh, honoring one another, loving one another, and in salvation, we're brought into the triune life of God. We are in Christ, and Christ is in the Father, you know, and, and, and the Holy Spirit. We're brought into that remarkable unified life. And when you stop and think about that, the implications that that, that speaks of, you know, Michael, if, if, if you're in Christ, and I'm in Christ, and we both share that profound reality what implication does that mean in terms of the way I treat you and you treat me and how I honor you and view you is the body of Christ begins to realize who they are and grasp the reality that scripture is laying out. It'll have profound implications for how we treat one another. So I think these movements that we're recognizing are, are only going to be amplified and continue to expand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Tracy. Um, Hey, to hear all this and do nothing is to let it die. Mm. Right? So let's do something. Uh, shoot out a text, make a phone call, send a Facebook message, whatever. Reach out to somebody that, that you know in your city that you'd like to just even have a meal with and let that be a starting point. Tracy, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your heart. I think this is uh, one of many future conversations that we're going to have around this. and. I hope and pray that we see more and more city churches, um, people recognizing themselves as the church of the city collectively, mm -hmm. teaming up together and watching God doing some really beautiful things across our country, across the world. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Tracy. Oh, and by the way, share this with if if you're if you're really excited about the stuff Tracy and I just shared. Um, especially what Tracy shared in his heart. Um, share this with some other pastors, leaders, uh, you know, church planters, missionaries in your city. Share this recording. Say, listen to this. Let's get together and talk about it. Might might be might spark some really good dialogue. Few people. There you go. All right. Thanks for tuning Sounds in, good. and we'll we'll catch you next time.